Welcome, welcome, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. We're on here. Steve Spiro, you're a mentor, you're a consultant, you're a business owner, but most importantly, you're a host of your own show and you're also a master connector. Steve Spiro is one of my idols and I love listening to everything that he does. He's such a dynamic individual. Some of the topics I really enjoy speaking on is how to really connect, you know, whether it be in person or through social media. I love to lead with my weaknesses. I lead with, you know, my vulnerabilities. It's fine because I'm okay with who I am. Number two is how to go from being inward focused, self-focused into others focused. Being willing to give and, and go out there and, and, and look to serve, that will attract the right things. Another one is on leveraging LinkedIn to really grow your business. You can reach a lot more people. You can broadcast a message to people that actually consented to want to know you. And then lastly, overcoming big obstacles. I love sharing. I was a shy, jabroni kid, picked on, bullied, learning disabled, dyslexic, really in a dark place. I was really in a box in the shell. And I've been able to break out of that box. And, and so I love being able to inspire people and really help them. So the Master Connector was born. The world is my networking event. Right? I meet people all the time. My goal is to meet three strangers every single day. Steve is open to meeting you. You should set up a face-to-face -face with Steve. One little conversation can really change your life. All right, LinkedIn, if you are on here, on you're on YouTube, Facebook, let us know right away where you're tuning in from. We got Mama Spiro checking in, Poughkeepsie, New York, in the house. I'm coming to you from Valhalla, New York. I know that we got uh, Mr. Steve Spiro, our master connector, tuning in from Stanford, Connecticut. We'll see where Robbie's tuning in for him today. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, what you are thinking when it comes to building your audience, because this should be kind of common sense kind of stuff, but we're going to kind of expand on it and build on it. So we want your questions in terms of building up your audience. What do you want to do in terms of building up your audience so that you have a platform to sell from? Steve, I'm going to send it over to you to take the show away. All right. Awesome. I appreciate that, Cameron. And as usual, being the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, do all the magic you do. Appreciate you doing this. So, you know, hey, <laughs> if you if I don't know them, why connect with them? Or isn't having a large network hard to manage? Or how do you keep up with all of them? All those contacts, all those connections. So type in yes right now if you feel that way. Um, and, you know, so listen, I, I've actually built uh, my, my network uh, of 17,000 contacts on my phone and almost 18,000 LinkedIn connections and growing really strong. And I found out there that there's many misperceptions about building a network. You know, people you know, know the phrase, you know, your network is in direct proportion with your net worth, right? We know that, right? But I think there's a kind of a miss here. And I found that people kind of stall out around doing this. So if this has been you, perhaps today, our amazing guest and today's content will really help you. So if you're ready to hear Cameron bring up our next guest, I want you to type in right now the word ready. Please do that right now if you can, all right? All right anyway, get in there, folks. Over to you, sir. Get in here. Robbie Samuels, if you're ready, type ready. Robbie Samuels is an author, speaker, and business growth strategy coach recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, 
Forbes, Lifehacker, and Inc. He is also a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. Robbie is the author of Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, and a small list, big results, launch, a successful offer, no matter the size of your email list. He's a Harvard Business Review contributor. His clients include thought leaders, entrepreneurial women, associations, national and statewide advocacy organizations, women's leadership summits, including Feeding America, California WIC Association, and AmeriCorps. Robbie is the host of the On the Schmooze podcast and hashtag no more bad Zoom virtual happy hours. Welcome to the show, Mr. Robbie. Samuels. <laughs> Thank you for that amazing introduction. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. All right, Steve, see, lead us off here. Absolutely. Well, Robbie, uh, you know, I know you and I connected through LinkedIn and it's been incredible getting to know you and appreciate you, sir. And I know you have a crazy, amazing story. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the ways in which we connected, really. I think we, you know, the, the little, the two little guys, you know, the, the kids inside of us got to kind of connect and meet. And, and now we're we're kind of doing some professional stuff, but I know our, our viewership loves stories. They love hearing that the struggle, overcoming struggle, challenge. And I know there's a there's a very good professional side of your story, but let's hear a little bit of the backstory, if you don't mind, and share with our audience because they love hearing that kind of stuff. Well, I spent uh, prior to the pandemic over a decade working to be recognized as a networking expert. And I had this talk that I was doing called Art of the Schmooze. It started while I was still employed in a nonprofit. So for about five years, I had this sort of side hustle. Uh, at one point, I was at, you know doing one to four talks a month and using vacation time to go off and do that. And um, my mentor and friend, Dory Clark, said, you know, you know it's time to leave a job when it gets in the way of your business. So 2015 was when that happened, and I went full into entrepreneurship, but wanted a different audience. And so I my first struggle was figuring out what that new audience was going to be, not, not focused on nonprofits. Launched my podcast uh, on the schmooze. And a year later, my first book came out, uh, which is focused on networking at conferences, launched a group coaching program, did a TEDx talk on it. And by all accounts, should have been an overnight success 10 years in the making when 2020 happened. But as we all know, March 2020 no one really needed the skills that I was offering about eye contact, business cards, shaking hands and body language. And so I had to figure out how to show up and add value. And that's when my story really takes a turn. You want to hear the rest? You want to <laughs> jump in? You're actually muted there, Steve, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to imagine. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, Go Got to get one of those, you know, you're on mute kind of things out of the way. One, every show kind of, yeah, but no, I appreciate, yeah, exactly. There it is. No, I, I and yeah, fantastic. And yeah, we could pause there for a moment. I know there's some some and maybe it's personal. I don't know, but you shared some of the backstory, right? About you know, kind of how you grew up, and because I think sometimes people, you know, they 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 love the professional side, but I think there's some of our viewers that have gone through stuff, personal stuff, not just professional stuff, and and how they got through that, and and uh, you know, I I like to talk about, it. and again, I, you share with what what you're comfortable sharing publicly, but. You know, I love, you know, share. I don't mind telling people that I was shy, introverted and had the learning disability and bullied and all, all that stuff, because it's just to me, it just it adds flavor. But also at the same time, it allows people to realize, listen, 
if someone with my flaws can do something decent in their life, they can too, right? Mm -hmm. So anything that you feel on the back backstory, if you feel like it would be very valuable, our viewers would love to hear it. Well, I've gotten asked over the years why I put so much effort into teaching people how to network and how that came to be my passion. And for me, the focus is on inclusion and belonging and people feeling uh, really welcomed and engaged in a space, which at first glance doesn't make sense because I'm I'm an outgoing extrovert. I love uh, being around people. I'm very energetic around people. I'm visible. I don't just like hang out in the corners. Um, I don't stay in my room. But, you know, my when I was trying to figure out what what my origin story was for this, because usually the origin story for a lot of entrepreneurs is I was once just like you. You know, I was once a shy, introverted person, and then I learned this one thing, and now I learned how to network. But I was never a shy, introverted kid. So for me, it was it, it brings me back to camp. I went to day camp uh, growing up, and I vividly remember being 10, 11, 12 years old and being really connected to all the camp counselors, um, getting along really well with camp counselors, but not really having that same connection with my peers. And there's this one moment that I was walking up to a circle of peers. Uh, the campers are standing around together by the pool and they probably didn't see me. I mean, my adult brain would say they probably didn't see me, but the circle kind of closed up as I was walking over. And that feeling of like not fitting in, not belonging, that's that was where I started to really sense that. And I wouldn't come out for years. Like, you know, that's 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm in my early 20s when I come out into the queer community initially. I eventually come out as trans. And I really do think the empathy that I feel for people who, for whatever reason, it could be language barriers, cultural barriers, you know, it could be uh, neurodiversity, it could be introversion, uh, shyness whatever it might be that's causing people to feel like they don't belong, like they're being othered. And so uh, my work around networking was around inclusion. I've got a whole thing on like the downside to being a unicorn. I mean, there's some upside too. I mean, there's people who walk around with purple hair for a reason, but there's also the way in which you're ostracized. You don't get the job you want. Your name's hard for people to pronounce, whatever it might be. And people really tend to point out that difference when they meet you. And so I no longer am like super visibly uh, different than other people, but I still, I sort of put that front and center and I'm very proud to be a certified LGBT business enterprise, which means that I'm certified as an LGBT business owner uh, through the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce, so I should say it. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to be part of that and represent in that way. You're on mute. <laughs> One more time, number two, all right. Trying to be re respectful, keeping off mute on then. Anyway, yeah, we appreciate you sharing about that. And, and um, yeah, we, we are all about, you know, obviously everyone is welcome. No, you know, we we believe in inclusion as well. So, um, yeah. So and I, and I feel that too, like the the networking thing. I think, you know, I've talked about it on this show before, like just the feeling of, I don't even know if you need to necessarily feel different, but I, I feel like, you know, you walk into a cocktail party and for me, I can be extroverted in certain situations, but I'm an introvert, especially walking into a cocktail party. And that's one of the toughest things that that sort of the backs and trying to go in and introduce yourself. I think a lot of people can put themselves in that in those. Cameron, uh, I saw you ask the question in chat, uh, you know, are people into croissants or bagels? And I want to say that, like, if we were talking about eating, I love a good bagel. I'm from New York. If we're in, Mo if we're in Montreal, I would take a good croissant. But but this is a metaphor 
for that moment that you just described. So when we, we now we're getting back to in-person events, this is relevant again. My TEDx talk is all about this. Um, thankfully it came out in January, 2020. Um, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't relevant in the last two years. So as you're walking in those rooms, people are in those tight circles, those shoulder, shoulder huddles, those clusters, and you really, you don't know kind of where to go. And I think that could make pretty much anybody feel awkward socially about like that. But if you see a, an opening, if one person, one of those circles shifts their body language to make some space, then it goes from being that tight bagel that's impossible to break into to the croissant. And the croissant is both the reminder to you to look for those openings, but also a reminder that you're there to meet people. And so how can you stand even in a one-on-one -on -one conversation so that you're more approachable? Because you don't go to events just to absorb content. You go for content and connection. And in fact, my story kind of shifts to the virtual world because when that happened in March 2020, I said, you know what? Virtual events can no longer be the exception to that. They had been all about content, you know, a whole bunch of webinars, 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by yeah. ineffectual Q&A, no one moderating chat. So we needed to find a way to design these online virtual experiences that that provided engagement and provided opportunities for connection and learning. And so that became my mission uh, starting in 2020. I love that. And so now with the new context, if you're in the comments, are you the croissant person? It's opening it up, right? And, yep. and leaving some space and trying to include other people besides the people that are at the table. Or are you the, the bagel person uh, that's just closing people out, right? So now we got a, new, a little bit of a new context. I like that. That's great. Yeah. And and listen, I, you know, I also, I can, I can relate big time to, you know, I was the, I was the guy trying to, you know, get into that circle. Right. I mean, it, it was, I, it took a lot, it still to this day, it takes a lot of guts for me to go into a networking event and actually walk up to a crowd of people. Actually, I was recently asked to, to speak on networking, kick off a networking event at a, at a, at a, a summit, uh, in-person summit. So I'm there to network. I was actually on the billboard as the networking guy, the master connector. And I still had, you know, trepidation about going to these circles, these clusters of people and making those conversations or starting conversations. But yeah, what I've learned is you just do it anyway. Right. So but uh, but kudos to you. And, and I appreciate you. your message. Yeah. Um, so we're going to ask you a question. And before we do that, I know Robbie's got a lot of great stuff to share. If you want to hear the next question, I'd like you audience viewers to just type in the question mark. If you're ready for the next question, type a question mark right now. Simple. Just a question mark symbol. That's it. Anyway, uh, in good faith, because I'm not looking at the chat, so I'm hoping that everyone's listening and paying attention. Simple question, Robbie, and, and you kind of touched on a little bit, but why build a big network? What's the, what's the reason behind that in your perspective? I, I know for me, it's to have a great audience so that we can, I can actually get a message out to, but I'd love to hear you know, the audience is sick of me and Cameron and our perspective on networking. We want to hear your perspective on networking. Well, I, I joked in an email that I wrote a couple of years ago that I wanted to have the kind of network that people would reach out to me something that felt like kind of a random request. Like, do you know, do you know any dairy, anyone who grew up in a dairy farm? And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I know someone who grew up in a dairy farm. And that was the example that I included in the email. And four people wrote back to tell me their history and experience, either living on or growing up on or knowing someone who grew up on a dairy farm. And so uh, I now can say that if you want to know that, I can go dig that out and introduce you. And so I, for me, it's like, 
I want to have this really diverse sort of network because I want to be a resource. That's been like a driving factor for me. But I also believe that the outer edges of our network, the people who are least like us in how we were brought up, our education, our, our beliefs, are where we're gonna get the most innovative ideas for what we do. So if you're a lawyer, sure, you're gonna know lawyers, but hang out with people who are not lawyers to get ideas for how to run your business that will be, be different than what other lawyers are thinking to do. And vice versa, you know, if, if you're a person who doesn't know anything about that, you'll learn something from the lawyers if you hang out with them. So I just think that innovation comes from those, those edges. And um, I also truly believe that relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge. So by, you know, cult, not just not just acquiring a list of names, <laughs> which is the business card collection or LinkedIn connection sort of uh, way of doing networking, but by actually nurturing and cultivating these connections, there's nothing you will ever want for. Like when I when I went out on my own, I was not on my own. You know, I had an entire network of people who were really rooting for me who were supporting me, who believed what I could offer. And so when we're thinking about um, offering new services, new products, new new solutions, I think we often discount how much our networks can support us in creating that. And that's been the focus of my work lately. That's great. And, and you know, I, I, I got to believe I'm, I'm a mind, I'm mind reading our, our viewership because I feel like a lot, a lot of, a lot of, you know, we, we think similar, right? Our, our community kind of gravitates to, to, to us because I think they, we have a similar mindset. But we're saying why well, have a big network, but on the screen right below your right next to your name, it says smallest big results. So can you tell us a little bit of what that means in relationship to the first answer? Because it kind of almost contradicts itself to a degree. And I'm yeah. sure that you're being dramatic in, in that title. Well, OK, here's the thing. I have listening up to everyone who's paying attention here. OK, have you ever created what you thought was an amazing offer, except it didn't take off? And then you you had to think about, well, why didn't it work? And you have to think, is it that you don't know your ideal client, you don't know how to market it, you have a small email list, or you're an imposter and you shouldn't be doing it anywhere? So, so one, answer one is ideal client. You don't know your ideal client. Put one if that's why you think it's failing. If you think it's more than one, use, use more than one of these. Two is going to be you don't know how to market it. Three is going to be I have a small email list. And four is going to be I'm an imposter. I shouldn't be even trying this. So I've done this poll with tens of thousands of people at major conferences for coaches and entrepreneurs. And it's interesting that a lot of people say they don't know their ideal client. They don't know how to market it. But quite a few people will say they just don't think they have a big enough email list. And if the way you think about who you're selling to is limited to the people on your email list, well, of course, it's going to be smaller than your network, right? No matter how many people are on my email list, I'm always going to have more people in my network. So the small list is the, you know, by the way, small is the eye of the viewer. Like if you're 250 people, we're going to probably all agree with a small email list. But if you have 5,000, some people might think that's really big, but you might be comparing yourself to people with 50,000 uh, email subscribers and think, oh my gosh, my email list is so small. So you'll have your own belief system around your size of your list. But you, if you are expanding that to your LinkedIn connections, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, wherever your people are and hang out. And I know that Steve talks a lot about his, his 17,000 uh, phone connections, his contact list. You will actually be surprised how many people you have on your, stored on your phone because every time you get a new device, you've imported the old contacts to the new device. So I went looking and I've got people from 13, 15, 16 years ago still in my contacts. And at some point, they were people that I talked to regularly on the phone. And so those are deep connections. Even if we haven't talked in six years, those are people that I could text 
out of the blue and they want to say hello. So I just think we have to think much more broadly about who we're tapping into. And then the next steps are sort of figure out like, well, how do you discover likely prospects from within that existing network who already know, like, and trust you? So that's, that's like a process question, but initially you've got to look bigger than the email list that you've been building. So kind of a, yeah, it sounds like it's a shock statement necessarily just to kind of make people think a little bit in terms of the smallest big results. Well, Not I also, it's, it's like, it's a self-diagnosis. So, so entrepreneurs who are experts build something and then when it doesn't work, you know, the problem, they built it in secret. They built it without any input from likely prospects, but they don't come to that. <laughs> That's not the conclusion they come up. They go, right. you know, I just don't have a big of list. Oh, uh, I don't, I need to, I need to spend more money on marketing. Oh, someone's going to teach me Facebook ads. I don't want to do, I'm going to run a virtual summit to do some list building. And like they've missed the mark on what the solution even is, or maybe it's just the language of the solution. It's how they've talked about the problem or it's the delivery mechanism, like, you know, it, whatever it is, they never re-examine that because <laughs> they're let me, experts. Let me ask this question, Rob, because I work off a list in my primary business, which is a staffing company. And mm -hmm. I'm always surprised as I'm going through the list, I've forgotten to ask somebody that I meant to ask. I forgot to, you know, I just, I overlooked somebody that could have been the solution to my problem as I'm trying to go through my list and, and, and grab somebody that's available for a given event, you know, managing these lists is such a big job, making sure that you have the right fit for the right ask. What is your strategy around, you know, keeping lists up to date and then actually utilizing them? Yeah. I mean, this is the crux of what my, my latest book is about. Um, smallest big results, but essentially, uh, let's just use LinkedIn as an example, because LinkedIn makes it very easy to uh, export, to download your list of contacts. You can do it for other sites, but it's built in for LinkedIn and just Google this question to find out how. But let's say you've got, you know, whatever you have, you know, a thousand people and you download them, but they're not all equal, right? They're not all people you want to reach out to all at once. So you add a few columns to that front of that list. So one column is going to be, you know, uh, are, are they a person who would recognize your name and you'd be happy to hear from them? If they would recognize your name and you would be happy to hear from them, put an X in that column, right? That just means that it's something you wanted to consider. And then you want to uh, assess their connection to you, their influence in the world based on what you want to talk about and their interest in the topic you want to talk about. And you would put a one, two, or three, three being most. So if people score less than a, a four or below, don't reach out to them right now. And then depending on how they score otherwise, some people are going to have a lot of influence there, which means they could tell a lot of people about and your say offer that, once say that excited. List, say that priority list one more time yeah. so I can document it here. And All I'll right. It so screen. column one is consider. Column one is consider, meaning would they, re would they recognize your name and you'd be happy to hear from them out of the blue? That's column one. The second column is wondering like, what's kind of connection do you have? And here it's like, well, how likely are they to, to, to respond back to you? Right? Like how strong, you know, certain people, you know, they know you really well and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get back to you. And some, it might take some effort for you to, to, to kind of finally make that connection real. That's a one is less likely to get back right back to you. Three is very likely uh, no half points, no zeros. Uh, the second, the, the third column then would be um, their influence which in this case is how many people could they tell that they were excited about what you're doing? And influence is based on the offer. If you're doing something local, 
then the immediate past president of your local chamber is going to have a lot of influence. But that same person, if you're doing something that's got a national or even global appeal, well, their influence is not nearly as great uh, in that sense. So one, two, or three for how, how many people could they tell? Uh, and then the next column is their, their interest in your topic. And none of this should be a research project. It's all based on what you know about people, where they work, um, you know, their job title, what they post online. A one being, you don't think they're gonna be very interested. No, there's no proof, no evidence. Three is, yes, absolutely. It's clearly a topic of interest for them. And then you add them up. And if they have high influence and some interest, then they're actually a likely referral partner. They may or may not be a prospect themselves, but they could introduce you to other people. They might be running a membership group. They might have a podcast, right? So they have an audience of some kind. If they have high interest, but not as high influence, then they're actually a likely prospect. So now that you've discerned that, and there might be some coffee chats, I use that as like the, the person that you're like, oh, I saw that person and I, it doesn't fit right now, but I definitely wanna reach out to them. It would just like give me a lot of good energy to, to hang out. Don't overfill your calendar though with coffee chats. They're not likely prospects. You're not achieving your goals <laughs> if you just chat with people randomly. And don't overindulge even on the likely referral partners. Not yet, because you still need to figure out your offer more. And so you want to make sure that two thirds of these uh, calls you're scheduling, and it's like 20 or 30 calls and the first time around, it might take you six to 12 weeks to do this. But I know from experience that you can do this in three to six weeks once you've got the list up and running, which means anytime you get a new idea in the future, you just like, oh, I'm going to rinse and repeat. I'm going to go back to my list. Col the first column's still true. They still remember your name. They still, you'd still be happy to hear from them. Their interest and their influence might wait, change a little bit depending on the topic that you want to talk about. And then, you know, I have a whole process of how do you reach out to these people? You schedule these calls. How do you conduct a research call? Um, it's not about pitching your offer. It's about understanding the challenges, the problems, how they talk about it, the language they use. Is there urgency to what what you're talking about or not? And I think I that, that too many times we we think there's urgency that people are going to buy. Let me just put a pin not. here in the yeah. the the ditch the pitch kind of thing because I think a lot of people could be looking at oh I got to work this list and I got to relaunch a pitch to this this audience. Talk to us a little bit about what those conversations sound like because if we get this to be a place where we're natural with it and it's easy for us to have these conversations i think that affects people's bottom lines that affects people's businesses that affects people's livelihoods absolutely i think again don't go you're not calling these people up and saying do you like the blue button or the green button <laughs> i think a lot of times that's what we end up doing instead here's how i would structure it so first of all you may not talk to these people recently, maybe not in five years or 10 years, even who knows. So the first five minutes are going to be a catch up. Um, but beyond that, you need to schedule a second call to do a separate catch up call. And so you would say, Hey, I want to respect your time. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, and you need to, you need to be the host of the call and really shift it to the next part of the call, which is 15 minutes where you ask them ahead of time to come with three questions or scenarios or problems or examples on your topic in your area, you give them parameters. And so you say, did you, did you have those, did you come up with three examples? And they share them. And now your instinct is going to be to just solve them. The problem is what they're presenting you with is not big problems. It's, pro it's the things that they think of as problems, but I call them little P problems. 
And so if you just answer them, they, they'll just go away thinking I'm good. And that's not a sales that <laughs> you're not going to lead to a sales conversation. So instead be a coach, ask good questions. Why these questions, you know, why, why these examples and tell me what you've tried, tell me what's worked. What do you think would work? How does it impacting you, your life, your sleep, your bottom line, your, your community, your, your team, what, right? Whatever is relevant, you know, is this, is this the most important thing for you to solve in your business? Yep. Well, what else could there be that we're not talking about? Like if you had to rank which thing to do first, what would you do most or you know, what is the most urgent thing? What you're really trying to understand is like, you know, how much effort, like if they could easily do a Google search or look for an app in the app store to, to get somewhere towards a, a solution and they haven't even bothered to do that, they're not going to look on Google for you. Sure. They're not going to look on the app store for your app. Right. So don't don't think that there's more there than there is. If they're telling you, oh, man, I haven't really tried to figure this out money much. No, I haven't spent any money on the problem. Then it's not an urgent problem. It's like they're not going to buy from you. So that's the, that part of the call. And the last 10 minutes is where you sort of say, hey, based on what you've said and other conversations I've had and people I've worked with, here's one or two things that you can now try in the next few weeks and outline kind of what they are. But I always make it very clear. Listen, if we were actually working together one-on-one, -on -one, I would do a three-hour deep dive, vision, value, strategy. I wouldn't base anything on 15 minutes, but there's some things that I think could be just useful for a lot of people to explore. If you've run into any problems though, trying to this out, you know, reach out back out to me and then let them know you're going to keep having some calls. And if you come up with anything else that'd be useful to them, you'll circle back. So you leave the door open. Now I want to contrast this with giving away an hour's worth of free advice, which is just a bunch of tactics. And if we do that, people do not come back to us. And I've actually got a magical question. I will share, uh, I have a video and, a, and a, the full text of this at robbysamuels.com forward slash magical. You go to robbysamuels.com forward slash magical. It's a really simple phrase to shift the conversation into a prospect call. It's most useful when you're on a random chit chat, catch up call with somebody and you suddenly realize you've been giving away a ton of great, valuable advice and you need to pull yourself back from doing that and shift this into a conversation about working together. So research calls are have a, a tight sort of framework for how you do them. You also may end up in conversations with people sort of randomly that lead to this conversation as well. And being prepared, I think, is a, is a big part of it. That's great. Amazing nuggets. Boy, uh, viewers, I'm, I'm hoping you're getting a lot of great stuff out of this. This has been amazing. Um, so I, I want to ask you a question. There's probably two questions that I might combine here. And because we're getting to the top of the hour, top of the half hour here. Sure. But um, if, if viewers, if you're ready for the next one, I want you to type in next, N-E-X-T, if you're ready for it. All right. So it's I'm going to combine them, right? As, a, as an entrepreneur, you've struggled to find clients. We all have, right? How have you overcome that challenge? And ultimately, the real question, which is why they're on this call, this, 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 you know, this show today, which is how do you build an audience for create an offer? We got to get to that piece of it. You're kind of touching on it right now. You know, you kind of been covering that a little bit, but I want to make sure we kind of cover both, those. Both of those, those things. Parts. What I just said. On honestly, the answer is review what I just said, and also if you go to smallestbigresults.com, um, you'll actually get the book. And you'll get access for free, even if you don't buy the book, you'll get access to the Big Results Toolkit. The Big Results Toolkit has a bunch of resources 
to help you implement these strategies, including the Wake Up Your Network workbook, which outlines what I just said in real detail. You can print it and write all over it. Uh, it also talks about how, what do you do with all this information you gather, all the data. I mean, I will I will teach you how to enable captions in Zoom so that when you record, you get the full transcript. You don't have to upload it anywhere. It just it just is. But then how do you cull through that and look for themes and find the problem language? And how do you know whether the problem language is urgent or not? Because we have to stop thinking that just because we're the expert, we know. And what this does is it builds the runway for an offer to take off. Now, if you've got 50, 100,000 people on your email list or more, you probably don't need to do all these things. You just throw an offer out and you're going to find a dozen people, 20 people, 40 people who want to say yes. That's not my case scenario. And that's probably not true for a lot of the folks watching. So if you don't have that, you need to build a longer runway for your ideas to take off. So every conversation you have, all these, these 20 or 30 calls you're having, that is building rapport with people who may be a likely prospect or referral partner or might know the perfect person. And they will all feel bought into the process. They'll, they'll believe you, they'll feel heard, and they'll want to support you. And, and, and that's, that's where you'll get that momentum. And sometimes it's just a shift of a little language shift from using the word fatigued, they're using the word exhausted, right? It's gonna be a small shift. Sometimes it's delivery. You think, oh, I wanna do a mastermind. I'm super excited about masterminds. And you realize, wow, people really need training. They don't, they're not ready to implement. They need training. Oh, wait, let me shift my, my plans here. Um, and I, I did something like this with someone and they ended up doing a pilot by texting people at, um, something every day for them to work on for five days. <laughs> that was their pilot. Like that, it was super low key. So I'm not stuck on the medium of how you communicate your message. And I think you should really look to see what would fit for your life, what you want to do, and then what would people like want based on what, what, is, the, what is their uh, perceived sense of individual versus group, online, live, you know, asynchronous, whatever. Um, but listen to people. They will tell you what they need help with. And then you provide that service and they buy it and they buy it happily and they promote you and they refer you. And I just think so many of us, me, myself included, build these things in our, in a sort of, you know, in our little basements <laughs> and then we bring it out to the market and the market says, who are you? What is this? I don't, I don't need this. And then we're like, Oh, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so what Absolutely. happened is they don't get the bigger problem that you're trying to solve for. So your solution is a huge mismatch. So that's yeah, my, great. my answer. I'll tell you what, great, great stuff, Robbie. You know, we, um, we're getting, uh, we're actually at the, at just at the tail end here of the show, which is there's so many more too bad. We're not in an hour segment. Like we used to be back in the day, but great stuff. Definitely people need to connect with you. I will say this. I was uh, asked to do a, um, uh, a YouTube, uh, video with, uh, Nicole Atias. I'm not sure, sure if she's on right now, but, but, uh, she asked me to talk about ditch the pitch and, and what Cameron had talked about. And I love what you're saying because, the typical sales call, prospecting call is you're trying to pitch something, you're trying to sell right. something. And what you're talking about is the opposite, which is really asking enough questions to unpack the needs, the wants, the desires, the pain points. And now you maybe offer something. And I love your wording, which I'm hoping the viewers, I'm going to go back and re-listen or I'm going to get your, your free download stuff and see the wording. Because I love what you said, which is, you know, do this, try this, you know, but if you have any help, if need any help or challenges, you know, you can always reach out to me, which right. basically there's the soft sell right there. That's the layup there waiting for them to just say, yeah. And, and that's awesome. I, I love it. I think it's great. And, uh, we got a great question from man small says, 
Robbie, do you tell your clients that you need to post every day if they want to succeed or concentrate more on the engagement and creating conversations? So if you follow the process I'm discussing here, you could have no email lists and no social media presence and still create, uh, validate an idea you have that leads to um, a pilot that could lead to an offer. So it's, 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 I'm not saying you shouldn't have an email list. You shouldn't have a social media presence. I'm just saying, instead of waiting until some point in the future, when you feel like you're ready, just start doing this now and you'll have a better idea of what to write about. You'll know what kind of content to create. You'll know whether people want video or blogs or podcasts, and you'll, you'll start to really cater to the audience you want to nurture. So build all that first before you go and spend a lot of money as an entrepreneur to like, you know, be an entrepreneur. Um, that said, another way to wake up your network is to provide valuable content on a regular basis. And so I do have a very strong content creation plan. I post twice a day on LinkedIn, a mixture of my content that I'm repurposing a zillion ways to Sunday. And I also, I think like probably more than a third of the posts each week are people from my network, either follow Friday, uh, shout outs, book reviews that I've written, articles written by other people on the topics that I think are of interest to my community, yeah. JV partnerships, whatever it might be. And so I'm really, I use social posts as both networking, education, access to some free resources I've created, uh, engagement, questions, polls. I, I've tried a little bit of everything, but I do think that I, that's the inbound referrals come from me putting that out in the world. But the one-on-one yeah. -on -one conversations though, you will never get more out of like out of life and like a thoughtful 30 minute conversation with someone about their needs, not what you have to sell, but what they need. And if you really think back, like, what are they giving you? They're giving you gold. They're giving you all the answers. And all, every time you wonder how long should something be or how much should it be? You have to go back to the level of urgency. Uh, what do people say they needed and then provide that as a value to them? It's great. It's awesome. Well, this is awesome. Uh, you know, again, uh, so just tell the viewers, remind, I know you kind of mentioned it before, but please tell, remind the viewers how they can reach you. And, and uh, you know, I highly recommend viewers, you go, go find Robbie. I love it. And I want to say thank you, Cameron. I've been, I've been slipping links to you and you've been dropping them into the chat online. So I appreciate that. Uh, smalllistbigresults.com is where you'll find the book, but also the resources that are for free. Like, even if you don't want to buy the book, you want to just check this out. I also have, a community that I just launched, 70 people strong. It's called contentandconnectionclub.com. Access a thousand of dollars worth of resources, uh, a weekly uh, virtual happy hour with networking, Q&A, an online forum. And so I'm really looking at ways that I can nurture people. It's 25 a month. It's not, a you know, half the money goes to charity. It's not about me making a lot of money, but it's about meeting people where they are on this journey and inviting them on a path, uh, a very transparent uh, path where they get to have agency to design their own experience as they work with me and, and get support from my community. So if you want to check that out, that is content and connection club.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Good stuff. Well, this is great. We appreciate you guys. We're going to end the show real quick here because we are over time as usual. It's, uh, it's hard. So you, when you it was hard to contain. Robbie did a great job you dropping did. some great, great, great information. So great. if you're we watching this the on the replay, scheme. hashtag yeah. replay, get in there. We got to change the color scheme uh, scheme on this to gold because he dropped some golden nuggets here. Go. So instead of the blue, but uh, well, we're going to end the show and uh, thank you for being one of the people who help help us shed a light on and be the light and inspire people. And that's our mission here. 
but we're going to send people off with the way we, we love to do with the countdown of crush it. So we're going to count down and then everyone is going to, we're going to shout out crush it. And our viewers are going to type out crush it. And we'd love for the viewers, you guys to just type out crush it as we say crush it. So ready guys, ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Crush it. Have an amazing week. We have a great show coming up to you for you next week. We have Scott Ferguson talking about leveling up. We always, always are talking about leveling up, but we're going to talk about leveling up your game, your LinkedIn game, leveling up in life. Tune in next week. We will see you. Steve, lead us off, and I'll play our video. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Steve Spiro, you're a mentor, you're a consultant, you're a business owner, but most importantly, you're a host of your own show and you're also a master connector. Steve Spiro is one of my idols and I love listening to everything that he does. He's such a dynamic individual. Some of the topics I really enjoy speaking on is how to really connect. You know, whether it be in person or through social media. I love to lead with my weaknesses. I lead with, you know, my vulnerabilities. It's fine because I'm okay with who I am. Number two is how to go from being inward focused, self-focused into others focused. Being willing to give and, and go out there and, and, and look to serve. That will attract the right things. Another one is on leveraging LinkedIn to really grow your business. You can reach a lot more people. You can broadcast a message to people that actually consented to want to know you. And then lastly, overcoming big obstacles. I love sharing. I was a shy jabroni kid, picked on, bullied, learning disabled, dyslexic, really in a dark place. I was really in a box in the shell and I've been able to break out of that box. And, and so I love being able to inspire people and really help them. So the Master Connector was born. The world is my networking event. Right? I meet people all the time. My goal is to meet three strangers every single day. Steve is open to meeting you. You should set up a face-to-face -face with Steve. One little conversation can really change your life.